it's exciting when God begins to move and to be able to follow him. And uh, we are just having a great day in his presence. And uh, I want to read from three passages of scripture. Um, going to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 to begin with. And then we'll bump over to Romans. Amen. Before we go into the word of the Lord, I'm going to ask anybody that believes in the power of prayer, we're going to anoint this handkerchief very quickly and pray over it in the name of the Lord. This is for David's mother. It is David, right? And uh, she did not receive a good report this week. And so we need to pray that God would just touch her. So if you believe in the power of prayer, would you come and lay hands on this handkerchief and they will take this to her after the service. Praise God. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray right now by the authority of the word of the Lord and the power that's in your name. Lord, you see this dear mother and I'm asking you, God, to wrap your arms around her. Let the great physician begin to do a work. Astound the medical field. Lord God, perform the miracle, I pray, for by your stripes we are healed. We pray especially, God, for her and her family. Let the glory of the Lord rest upon them. Let the peace that passes all understanding settle into their spirits. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, O God, in earth as it is in heaven. Let the healing power of Jesus flow freely. Lord, we'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor and thanksgiving. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are high and lifted up, and your train fills the temple. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. They'll take this in the name of the Lord. Let the power of God rest upon her. Keep her in your prayers. I forgot her name already, Jordan. What was her name again? Roxanne. Praise God. As you're returning to your seats, we want to remind you the gifts for the orphanage are due by the 5th of December. And uh, if you have any other questions, uh, see Taryn, and she can help you with that. Praise God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's a scripture I've used before, and I'm going to maybe do things just a little bit differently here today, but I believe that the spirit of revelation is in the house. And uh, uh, as is our norm, I didn't know what Trisha was going to speak, and uh, she didn't know what I was going to speak on, and we do that with all of our teachers, and the Lord just kind of always lines things up. And so I'm praying that God would just let the revelation of his words sink deep into your heart today. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23, just one scripture there. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly and I pray God for your whole spirit and soul and body. Everybody say spirit, soul and body. Be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord. That's going to be important to remember that spirit, soul and body here in just a couple of minutes. And then over in Romans, I want to read two different passages of Scripture, and then we'll 
tie all of these scriptures together, I believe, by the help of the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And uh, I believe that uh, God is going to transform some thinking here this morning, and we're going to walk away here with a different perspective. And then the last passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 4, starting at verse number 16, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead. It means quickeneth means to make alive. Make alive the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. He calls those things which be not as they were. And uh, I want to, with the help of the Lord, speak on this. Understanding your true identity. Understanding your true identity. Um, to start with, I'm going to ask Elena to put that graph up. I came up with this graph to try to help get a foundation of where I'm going today. And then we'll try to explain it and let God just give the revelation, if you will. But uh, we read 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and there's a reason why I believe that Paul, besides the fact that he was inspired by the Holy Ghost to write this, used the terminology spirit and soul and body, be preserved blameless. Now, the word spirit in the Greek is pneuma, and the context always dictates the owner of the pneuma. So you have to read the context of the passage to figure out whether it's talking about just life, a human spirit, an animal spirit, whatever, uh, but or if it's actually God himself. Okay, does that make sense? The context will dictate. So when we know that you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, we know that that's talking about his spirit. The context dictates whose spirit we're talking to. Okay, it's the same when... The Bible says that he breathed into Adam and Adam became a living soul. That spirit, because John 4, 24 says God is a spirit, that spirit is the life-giving force of mankind, okay? And then the body is the word soma, and the body is simply the bodily structure. So, let them, And then the soul is the, the psyche, and I'll get to that in just a second. So when God created Adam, he gathered up a bunch of dust, and he formed the man Adam, and the Bible says he breathed into Adam, uh, into his nostrils, the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul, or man became a living soul. So it started with the spirit, and then the soul comes alive, and the body is the structure that holds the life of the soul, if you will. Am I, are you following me so far? Okay, so there's nothing that you can do about the spirit. That's God. He is the only one that can give you life. He's the only one that can breathe into man or into any organism and bring it to life. 
and I'm sorry, but there's nothing that you can do about your body. Now, I, you know, you can go to the gym every day and you can work out, but just let me just share a, a secret with all of you. Eventually, it's going to go back to dust. We don't have a say in it. In, in fact, I don't know what, and maybe a doctor can tell us, but what age or what time period in our life we go from growing to dying. But there's a whole lot of us, because I think it's around the age of 20. We get to, we get to the age of 20, and, and we stop really growing, and we start deteriorating. And some of us are more deteriorated than others. As we age, that's just what happens. And you can find the fountain of youth if you think so, but nothing's going to keep your body from disintegrating until Jesus changes it and glorifies it. Sorry, that's just the way it is. Every time we do a funeral, it's dust to dust, ashes to ashes. That's, we, that, that's the end of the body. So the spirit we can't do anything about and the body we really can't do anything about. And so God breathes into Adam and Adam becomes a living soul. The soul or the psyche is where you and I dwell. This is where we operate. This is where we can make a difference. The soul or the psyche is the Greek word. It's the seat of the mind, will, emotions. It's the overall seat of decision. And the dictates of the soul are found in two areas. The flesh or the spirit or the mind. The flesh or the mind. It's the Greek word sarx or the Greek word nous, N-O-U-S. Notice that it, when, we, when we read Romans, by the renewing of your mind, that word mind is not psyche. It's nous. And we'll get back to that in a second. This is where we battle between the sarx and the nous. And I don't know if I'm saying that correctly in the Greek, but just pretend I'm right. The sarx is the flesh. It's the sensuous nature. It's apart from divine influence. It's the enemy of God. It's prone to sin. So when we say that we're operating in the flesh, we're not talking about the skin and the bone and the structure or the soma. We're talking about the, the place in our mind or in our soul, if you will, that is of fleshly nature or a carnal nature, that which is sensuous, that which is apart from divine influence. And then on the flip side of it is the Bible uses this word noose or mind which is the faculty of perceiving and understanding spiritual truth. The word noose has deeper meaning than just understanding mathematical truth. Okay? Two plus two equals four. See, I almost caught it. Okay? It's based in divine things. It's a higher power of the soul. And between the sarks and the noose is where you and I are in a battle. We are fighting the fleshly nature that's inside of us and the mind of God that's been placed in us to perceive the truths of what God has. You see, we fail to, we sometimes realize that we're, we don't, we're not fighting spirit, we're not fighting body. 
Some of us are having to deal with spirit and deal with body, but we're really not fighting. It's not the battleground. Our battleground is between our ears. It's, it's in our soul. It's in the heart and the seat of our decision-making process. What is influencing how we live our life? Is it the flesh or is it the mind of God that's operating within us? Does that make sense so far? Are you following along? Okay, so it's very important that you and I understand that it's all in here that we're doing most of our battles. Now, I understand that there are physical limitations that we have to fight through and deal with. But can I tell you that it doesn't matter what our bodies are doing, the fight is still happening on the inside of our spirit? Okay, it's in our mind, it's how we think. It's the reason why we go to Romans chapter 12 and, and Paul deals with it in, in such a way that, that he does. So Paul is sending to the Thessalonian church that their whole spirit, soul, and body would be made whole. But in Romans 12, he says it this way. By the mercies of God, you present your bodies. That is the Greek word soma. of this structure that you've given me from the head to the sole of my foot it's it's all yours because within the structure of the body is the spirit and the soul so when paul says to sacrifice unto god your bodies he's saying sacrifice everything about who you are the problem is most of us don't recognize who we are and so we're trying to sacrifice unto him, but we don't even know what we're sacrificing. And because we don't know what we're sacrificing, we don't know what needs to be transformed. And because we don't know how to be transformed or what needs to be transformed, we walk our walk with God in frustration and limitation and in, in frustration and in questioning, God, why are you allowing this to... If you understood what you laid on the altar, you'd understand why God's allowing something to happen to you. So, verse number 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I, I need to break this scripture down to you so that you understand where I'm coming from because I've been in the church, full-fledged in the church, since I was about four years old. So that's 47 years. And I have always heard this passage taught or preached, not about our identity, but about our actions. And, it, and you end up getting a to-do list of thou shalt and thou shalt not, because the world does one thing, and we're supposed to do another, and we're supposed to be this way, and we're supposed to be that way. But when I read this passage and I dig into the words of what these Greek words are, I recognize something that's not about what I do or do not do. It's about who I am or who I am not. 
It has to do with your identity in Jesus. It has to do with who you think you are and more importantly who he thinks you are so that those that are around you stop thinking the way you think you are and start thinking the way he thinks you are. So the word conform there in verse number 2, and be not conformed, that word conform means to fashion yourself after the pattern of another. Fashion yourself after the pattern of another. Don't fashion yourself after the passion of another or the fashion of another. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Don't try to be something that you think you want to be when God wants you to be something different. Don't be conformed to it. Don't follow after it. Now, I was always taught that this meant that you couldn't be worldly. The problem is, is they never identified what worldly was. Be not conformed to this world. Can I tell you what the world means there? It's not society. It's not, it's not the word, um, oh my goodness, cosmos. That's the word I'm looking for. It's not the Greek word. The Greek word for this means simply a period of time. It means an unbroken age or even eternity. So be not conformed. You're, you're going to have to try to follow me here. I, I'm stepping in territory that I can see what I mean in my mind, but I need you to read between the lines and grab what I'm meaning, okay? I made a statement a couple of months ago around the time that Pastor Suber was with us that God was calling us to live our eternal lives now. That if you are born of the water and of the Spirit, that newness of life that we are released to walk into is actually our eternal life. That we have become eternal beings. So having said that, and I believe that, here's what I believe this scripture is trying to tell us today. Be not conformed to this age, this moment in time. And what I'm really trying to get at is, do you understand that the only life that you and I live in is in the past? We cannot live in the future yet, unless you're Michael J. Fox. Some of you around the 80s will understand that reference. And I hate to tell somebody, but you can't live in the present either. Because the present is immediately the past. Every time I get to the present, I'm already past the present. So our bodies or the world, the period of time, you and I do not live in the present or in the future. All we work on is in the past. Our life, our ideas are all coming from past experience. Even the experience you had during worship today is now already in your past. Do you follow what I'm saying? 
Everything we do is following in the path, past. And do you understand that who your identity has become if you are living this world as a human being, your identity has been wrought by the past. You are who you are today because of the memories of your past. Whether good, bad, or ugly, what you are right now is based upon what you remember yourself as in your past. It's the reason why Paul said, laying or forgetting that which is behind us and reach for the thing that is in front of us. What is he really talking about? I always thought he was talking about heaven and, and reaching for the things of God. And while that applies, I think today I want to share a revelation to you is that when you lay the things down that are behind and you reach for the, you are searching for your identity. And so Paul in Romans challenges us, don't be conformed to this age. Don't be fashioned after this age. This age lives in the past. And don't conform yourself to the past. Oh, it's going to get better. But be ye transformed. That word transform is metamorpho. And it means to change into another form. God is not wanting you to live in your past. He's wanting to live where he is at. Be transformed. The other word for it is transfigured. It means that there is an obligation of a complete change under the power of God and will be found in the expression of your character and your conduct. Okay, grab a hold of this. If we are past dwelling beings, if we are conformed to the world or to the age, and we are operating from the memories of our past, and Paul says don't be conformed to that, don't identify as that, but transform by the power of God into a brand new being. What is he trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us stop living based upon your memory, but start living upon your faith. Step into where God is operating and God is operating outside of the confines of time and to reach into the future and by the authority of the faith of the word of God, pull back that which Christ has already done for you and apply it to your life right now and become a brand new creature, a brand new form, a brand new transformation. Oh, we're going to get there in just a second. By the renewing. The word renewing means a complete renovation. Not just a temporary fix. How many have ever had a hole in your wall or a hole in your roof and you needed to fix it? But what you had to do is you just had to block the hole first so you put up some tarp or something. Temporary fix. Until you get in and you gut it and you totally and completely renovate it. God, through the Apostle Paul, is telling us, 
be transformed by the brand new renovation of your mind. Not your sarks, but your noose. The faculty that's within you to perceive and understand spiritual truth based in divine things. He's trying to tell you, be renewed, be totally reconstructed and renovated by your noose, by your mind, by that thing which perceives the things of God, that which perceives divine truth. That's why I can say if I'm sick today, I am healed. I may still struggle with my sickness, my, my, my weakness. I may still deal with all of that in the body, but in my soul, I have been healed by the grace of God. In my thinking, I am 100% whole. In my understanding, I recognize that God has a place where he's preparing us, where there is no sickness, there is no more death, there is no more weeping, there is no more heartache, there is no more struggle, there is no more fight, but we are going to be free. And what God wants from Spirit of Grace Church and the church of the age is to live your life not tied up, tangled up, wound up by the things of this world, the things of the past, the things of this time, but He wants us to live and think and operate like we're already walking on streets of gold. I, I just have to tell you, this plays out so many different ways. My dad passed away almost, well, it'll be 10 years in February of pancreatic cancer. Can I just tell you that when people came up to him while his body was racked with pain, and over and over and over and over and over they said, you're going to be healed, Frank. You're going to receive your healing. My dad would always say, I already have. He, I've already been healed. My body just hasn't caught up. Can I just tell you when my father was taking his last breaths on earth, his communication, his mind was not around the racked body that he was, uh, uh, that was in, uh, enveloping him. He was lost in the presence of Almighty God because his spirit, his mind, his soul was being totally restored and he was gaining his victory. He had been healed by the power and the blood of Jesus, but the body just hadn't caught up. But in his mind, in his soul, he was alive he was 100% whole and perfect and pure in his eyes and my question to you today is don't wait until your body is racked to start thinking the right way Because when you let your mind be changed and be renewed and renovated to recognize that you are not somebody that's tied up in your past, but God has already identified your future, then you can prove him. According to verse 2, that you can prove, test it, examine it, recognize it as genuine. What is that good? That word good means useful, pleasant, excellent, upright, honorable. That's how God works. That you can prove what is that good and acceptable or well-pleasing. That word perfect 
means brought to an end, finished, complete. And the will of God is not simply what God asks you to be done, but what who God asks you to become, to fulfill his purpose. My friend, when you are not conformed to the, this world, but you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, your actions, your expressions, your truth, who you are, your identity can begin to prove that everything that God said is true. You'll find out that it's useful. You'll find out that it's excellent. You'll find out that it's honorable. You'll find out that God is well-pleasing. And you will find out your purpose has already been fulfilled. Well, God, I don't know what your purpose for my life is. I don't know what my what, what your plan is. I, I don't know how to do this, and I don't know how to do that, and I don't know where to go, and I don't know how to become. Stop! Shut your mind off. And let it be renewed. By the transformation and begin to say, God, if that's how you see me, then so be it. If you see me as a mighty warrior, then I'm a mighty warrior whether I realize it or recognize it or not. I am a friend of God. If that's what you declare me to be, I don't care what my past tells me. I don't care what another person tells me. You have called me friend. And since you are in the future and you know what I'm going to become, I'm reaching into my future and I'm pulling it back to my past and I'm erasing my past and I'm declaring my friendship to you Uh, we need to stop acting and thinking like his purpose is simply a process of going from one level to the next listen this is new to me stop thinking that if I add here a little and there a little that eventually I'll get to where God wants me to be that's not how God sees me he sees me there already Grab it. Grab this. He sees the perfect, the mature, the fulfilled, that which is already done. He sees his purpose in you already right now. In his mind, it's fulfilled already. It's our small thinking that doesn't recognize it yet. Pastor, what are you talking about? Romans chapter 4. I have heard this statement preached my entire life. And there is a term in this passage that messes me up. And that is the word things. Things mess me up. He calleth those things. And so I always thought, oh, that's miracles. That's signs. That's him doing something amazing and blowing my mind. 
But do you understand when I listened to that and thought about that, I violated my own teaching on how to interpret Scripture. And I won't quiz the Grace College people right now, but there is a five-step process that I have simplified in order to understand proper understanding of Scripture. And that is simply this. I start with what the Word means. Then I go to the verse. Then I go to the chapter. Then I go to the book, and then I go to the overall Bible. What in the world is the context of the Word? What's the context of the verse? What's the context of the chapter? What's the context of the book? What's the context of the Bible? And when I open up the book of Romans and I read this, Look at what this passage is talking about. It's not talking about miracles. It's not talking about him just creating a tree on my behalf. It's, not, it's talking about how we are to be identified. You don't believe me? Verse 13, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise of none effect. What is the promise? That we should be the heirs with Christ, join heirs with him, that we should have an inheritance from heaven, that we should be identified as his child, whereby we talked about it, she talked about it, we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. The word things messed me up because things mean something that's tangible until I identified the context of the passage and realized that the things that he's talking about are the promises of his family, are the promises of his heirship, are the promises that he made to Abraham a long time ago. Can I just tell you, he calls those things as they are even though we don't see them coming to pass yet. He's identifying you in such a way that you can't recognize yet. Do I have somebody's attention? When Gideon fell down before God, God called him a mighty man of valor. Even though he cowered in a corner like a wimp. Even though he complained to God over and over that it wasn't about him. He couldn't do it. He couldn't. God would just give me a huge army. Okay, I'll give it to you. And then I'll take it all away. Can I just tell you that the greatest thing that happened to Gideon was not a process by which he became a mighty man of valor. The greatest thing that happened to Gideon was when he understood that he was a mighty man of valor. He thought his brothers should be. He thought somebody else should be. But God called him to be a mighty man, even though he didn't see it. 
but because God calls those things which be not as though they are. (laughs) He saw what Gideon already was in his mind, and he called him that. Oh, Abraham was called the father of many nations. You want to know how many people he knew from his family? About six. Six! Maybe a few more. He never saw in his earthly eyes the fulfillment of the promise, but the promise was already completed. Can I just tell you, modern day, we're building this sanctuary. We're planning it. We have a bunch of meetings and a bunch of, you get all of the plans that are laid out and, and you get all the architectural drawings and, and, and you bring it. And When we started it, Pastor Gary was healthy. In body. His spirit was good. His soul was good. His body was good. He was in his 70s, but his body was good. But then he got cancer. And there was something in me that wanted him to take the journey with us from that which he began to that which is now today. And so what I would do every time, we'd have you know these monthly meetings or every six weeks, we would meet with Angie from Van Man and she'd bring us new drawings. And invariably, as soon as I would get the drawings, I'd make an appointment to go to Gary's house. And I'd pull them out on the table and I'd say, okay, Gary, this is what we're thinking here. This is going to be the platform. It's going to go all the way across the front. We're going to have plenty of space for everything. And then back here, we're going to we decided instead of making this the entrance, we're going to totally transform the building and make that the entrance. And, and he would I see that's cool. I like that. And then he would come to church and he'd sit in his his either his wheelchair or Dave would get him into a chair over on the side by the far windows by where the office is now and he would soak up the service and a couple weeks later we'd get another drawing and I'd make an appointment I'd head out to show Gary the progress that we're making and this is what it's going to be can I just tell you something rang very strong on one afternoon when I walked into his room he was already out at the the home out there on the river and I walked in and under my arm I've got all the drawings I'm getting ready to show him because I want him to take the journey with me and I walked through the door and he saw me with all these drawings and he said just put them down Tim and I'm thinking oh my lord what did I do now because you have to remember he wasn't just the pastor he was my uncle and and so I'm thinking okay rewind real fast did I mess up somewhere (laughs) family members getting ready to chew me out he said put it down Tim And tears welled up in his eyes. And he looked at me. He said, I've already seen it. Now listen. That made me feel good for a moment. 
until I'm studying about this this week. I'm thinking, well, yeah, God just, he's just talking. He just, he, he, he. I believe this with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength today. That somewhere along the line, this was already done by the hand of God before we even broke ground. And Gary Wisebrode, through the power of the Spirit, walked through those back doors, sat down in these seats, walked into our children's area, checked out the way that we did the, the fellowship hall in the entrance. He saw God gave him a journey that he could see everything that already was in place even before we had the plans done. He was living outside of the realm of the world and he was operating in the realm of the spirit. His mind had been transformed. His body never caught up but his mind was in tune with the spirit of God and that which was already done in the presence of God was being revealed to him in that hour. Mm -mm. Uh-uh. You got to grab this. There's a presence of God so powerful right now. Listen, some of you have been identifying yourself because the only thing that you know is your past. Can I just tell you that God doesn't even look at your past? He looks at you as already fulfilled in his purpose. It's the reason that the Bible says he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Not because the bonds are broken, but because the perception of divine things can be transformed so that you and I aren't dwelling on this level, but we have graduated to that level and we're bringing that level into this realm. That's why I can tell you we're of a church of thousands in this house. <laughs> There's empty chairs today. There's a good crowd. We've got a lot missing. But do I declare to you by the hand of the Lord, God already sees the thousands of people that this church is going to reach and touch. Not because of the process that we're going to go through, but because there's a shifting in the perspective of the church to recognize that God's in control. The challenge that God has placed before you and I today is found right here. What are you going to listen to? What are you going to look at? What are you going to think about? Where is your mind going to dwell? Are you going to dwell on the sarks or are you going to dwell in the noose? Are you going to operate in that which is of a faculty of perceiving the spiritual divine truths? Or are you going to operate where you've got to try to figure it out on your own apart from God? You are not pathetic. You are prophetic. You are not weak. You are strong. 
You are not lost. You are found. You are not alone. There's all kinds that are around. Don't be like the prophet of old that told God he was by himself and God had to open up his eyes and recognize all of the thousands of those that were still serving him and had not bowed. What's your identity? Can I just tell you? I invite you to stand. I'm going to make some strong statements. But you've got to understand what I'm saying. I am not a complainer. I am a conqueror. I am not a sinner saved by grace. I am a born-again child of God. If I'm just a sinner saved by grace, the enemy can come back and throw all those sins in my face at any time. But when I recognize who I am identified by, I can look right back at him and say, oh, no, 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 I'm not a sinner any My old man was a sinner, but I have been transformed by the renewing of my mind. I am his child. I am his son. I am his heir. I have his authority. I have his name. I have his power. I have his anointing. Ah! If you are somebody that has dealt with drugs and alcohol, you are no longer an addict sober such and such a time. If you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, if you've been born of the Spirit, your addiction has been erased. You are His child. You are His chosen vessel. You are His royal priesthood. You are His chosen generation. Start living like it. Can I just tell you, let me just, uh, the power of God is so strong right now. Somebody's got to have this released in them before we go. There is a releasing of the transformation of your thinking. And like my dad used to say, get rid of the stinking thinking. Just get the pure, undefiled presence of God flowing through your mind. You are who God says you are. You are the apple of his eye. You are the bride. I'm sorry, but I didn't see all the shortcomings of my bride. She was total perfection for me. Huh? He doesn't see the blemishes. He sees the blood.